Welcome to the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show, OuterLimitsRadio.com. I'm your host, Ryan. It is with great honor to present a forensic soul analysis and tribute to Mr. Stuart Wilde, metaphysical visionary, legend, and best-selling author. The gentleman wrote 20 books. He impacted millions of lives. You know Deepak Chopra, Wayne Dyer, those two have two things in common. They're both former students of Stuart Wilde. He was a teacher's teacher, and he never sought himself to be a guru. Matter of fact, he hated gurus. He hated the idea that somebody would present themselves as being holier than now, that you'd have to walk up a mountain to see this person, to hear their, oh, this is my wisdom. He didn't believe in that stuff. And also, he was hysterical. He had incorporated so much humor into his teachings. He made a lot of people laugh. And... He also ruffled a lot of feathers. He, he made a lot of people upset because I think that he was always didn't hesitate to tell them the truth. He told them the, the truth the way he saw it, and he really drove some people crazy in the New Age movement. And I got to tell you, I thought that was great. I really love the fact that he always challenged others. He, um, his perspectives, I thought, were very cutting edge. And it's not just me that would say that. It'd be a lot of other people. He was very far ahead of his time. He made a lot of predictions that came true. He was able to actually see visions and write them down and, and they would come true. But he also held himself to very high accountability. One time he called and he was just upset because some of his predictions about these events happening on Earth that would wipe out billions of people didn't occur. And he was just, oh, I'm so sorry, it didn't happen. I'm like, don't worry, the world's still here. But he, he was upset because he held himself to a high accountability. He thought that when he, when he said something was going to happen, it should happen. And... I just thought that was really great that he held himself to such high honor. Stewart's popularity is surging right now. There are so many people who are rediscovering him for the very first time. And I want to cut the Hydra off of the head by saying that I don't feel there should ever be a cult of Stuart Wilde. Like there should be an organization built around him because I don't think he ever would want that. I'm just talking to him. And listening to his CDs, listening to his – he always believed that the answers were within, that you should seek out the answers within yourself. And he didn't like – I mean he disdained gurus. And Stewart, again, wrote 20 books. There are so many lectures that he gave. And we're never going to know 100% what he thought about everything. We're only going to have the body of work that he's left behind and I feel that people should look at his body of work, appreciate it, be thankful for all the great teachings he left behind, and incorporate that into their lives to better themselves. Stuart, again, one of the most unique teachers that I think ever appeared on planet Earth. And it is such, such a great honor to have known him, to have met him, to have worked with him, and to be presenting the show tonight. The Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show proudly presents a forensic soul analysis on metaphysical visionary and legend, Mr. Stuart Wilde. What I think happens, or what I perceive to happen is, that this divinity inside you has a perception of what is, is happening on the physical plane, or has a perception of a place that you can possibly evolve, and looks at it and accepts that position as, as a growth experience. The weaknesses of the physical plane, the mayhem, the disease, the war, the famine, the, the inconsistencies are part of the beauty of what's going on here. If this place was a Garden of Eden, and if it were perfect, you wouldn't have come. The whole point is that you can go out of this hole, and you can go onto a freeway, and you can jump the freeway, and you can be hit by this semi-truck going to Tulsa, and splatter yourself up against a concrete post. That is what makes life fun. 
That is the whole reason. That is the whole reason for being here. This right now is Tom Lishman. Tom worked with Stuart for a very long time, was a very beloved close friend and worked on a lot of Stuart's workshops and uh, was with him on a regular basis. Tom, how would you reflect on Stuart? Well, uh, first of all, it's just a pleasure to be able to talk to you. Um, uh, we're all suffering from Stuart's loss. And there's not a day goes by when I don't receive an email of condolence from somebody who's just discovered at this late stage uh, that, that he's passed. But uh, all I can say is he was a, a remarkable man, but he was a man. Um, he uh, never saw himself as a teacher in any way or a guru. He was extremely modest when it came to that. Um, and he didn't want to have that accolation in any way or adoration in any way. Um, but what he achieved over his lifetime, when you look at the almost 20 books that he wrote and the millions and millions of words he wrote in other articles and during his time when he ran the Redeemers Club, he, he really made a, a difference for so many, many people. And that numbers hundreds of thousands of people. And he changed their life and he gave them hope. He gave them hope that they could survive this uh, this world that, that, that was really on top of them. And um, he, he brought them peace. And um, how did he impact or change your life? Oh, well, um, I started reading Stuart when I was 18. Uh, so that's a long, long, long time. So it's a, it's a, a relationship was over, over 30 years. And uh, when I did eventually get to meet him in 2005 in France in a very small workshop, uh, I knew then that uh, my life would change beyond belief, considering my background had been military and I'd been in big business. He sort of um, sent me on a roller coaster of a journey that really liberated me. And that's what his one of his main aims is, was to help people liberate themselves from the shackles of day to day life and the system. And uh, what do you think that Stuart's public perception is? What do you think that there's something that most people would not know about Stuart, having, uh, having been so close to him? Um, oh, how? That, that's a difficult one. Uh, because for me, he was very, very transparent because I spent a lot of time with him. But um, I, I think his shyness, um, when he was in the public eye, he was an actor and he managed to put on an extremely go good show but behind the scenes he was a, a, a very fragile person uh, and um, you know although he had great strength he found being in public very very difficult and or you wouldn't believe it from you know the, the way that he cracked jokes and could hold an audience um, but when he was with his friends he could relax and that's when you saw the best in him he was never happier than when he was at the Dog and Duck, which is uh, any mythical place where he could sit down with a small group of friends and uh, wax lyrical about life, life and make them laugh. And how do you think he actually uh, impacted the world of metaphysics and the world of uh, spirituality? Do you think he actually uh, changed the, the course of like a lot of the books that have been written? In the well, you know, if, if I pick up virtually any, any metaphysical manual that's been written in the last 20 years, I can, I can read Stuart coming out of that. He was uh, the teacher's teacher. A lot of people studied with him quietly. Uh, uh, he, he didn't make a, a big song and dance about the people that, that had uh, spent time with him. And they were obviously influenced by his, his sort of radical medical physics. 
um, and the way that he did business. And you can you can see so many books now where it's almost chapter and verse what he's said at some stage during his, his long writing career. Tenderness, respect and generosity were the cornerstone, the linchpin of, of what he taught. And it's so, so important to ensure that those qualities are embraced and then uh, passed on to other people. He often said that, you know, the, 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 the voyage of this life was actually just very simple. It was three feet, um, about two feet from your head to your heart, and then a, a foot out to the nearest person that you embrace them and hug them and show them your warmth. Uh, and uh, that's how I honor him. Mr. Lishman. Thank you, Tom, so much, so, so much. Really beautiful uh, insight. Uh, it's a real, real pleasure. I really haven't done him justice in this very, very short uh, time that we've spoken together. He was an incredible man. He's dearly missed, and we will remember him uh, through the, the time we are on this planet. Welcome back to the program is Mr. Jeff Casper, energy healer, energy teacher. Learn more about him by going to his website at transcodes.com. Mr. Casper great pleasure of working with Mr. Stuart Wild. Can you please tell us about your experience with him, what you learned from him? Oh, yeah. Thank you for having me on the show, Ryan. He, he's, he was a blast to work with. You know, it, it, um, There were times it was challenging, but what Stuart was really good at um, was you know, kind of nailing you on certain things as far as um, negative thought processes, um, various, t- uh, various uh, programs you may have that were limiting you. He was really good at that. But working with Stuart, the cool thing that I got to experience about him was, you know, a lot of times when we have teachers that we go to or even gurus, people who are very highly revered, um, who almost almost walk on water, it seems like, I got a chance to see the human side of him. Not, not that that was a bad thing. Actually, it was a wonderful thing to see that even though Stuart had a depth of understanding about certain things, to see him as a man, as a, as a human being, and to see that he also struggled with programs and patterns himself, uh, it made him that much more real, and it really helped me to see the beautiful things that he did teach uh, and the things he did and didn't do. So that's really the big thing I saw was I got a chance to go past that persona that so many people have who have that stage life um, to see a man who, who also was human. That was the cool thing about Stuart. Did he ever present himself as, as holier than now or, or think that he had some kind of wisdom or insight that wasn't attainable to other people? If he did, it didn't last long. <laughs> you know, I mean, and it's challenging. I mean, when you are in that position that Stuart chose, uh, and I only know a little bit based on some of the stuff I've done, but when you're in that position, it, it, you get hit by all kinds of temptations. You get hit by all types of, of, of power tripping. And, you know, was Stuart perfect? No. But I think for the most part, typically he came right back down, you know. Um, so if those things happened, it didn't last very long. What did he teach you about healing, and what did he teach you about soul and energy work? That's a big topic, man. Uh, that could be an entire show. Um, I think the big thing he taught was that anything is possible. You know, these things can be worked on, um, that you are not. A lot of people that worked with Stuart, you know, love to hear the fact that they weren't, for lack of a better word, they weren't screwed, they weren't damned, they weren't locked into these programs. That was one of the big things he worked on was challenging those really tight, restrictive beliefs that we get stuck in sometimes. Uh, and that was one of the biggest things I think he taught me was how to break out of that. To realize first and foremost that those things were going on inside of you. Uh, and sometimes that became offensive to some people because he really pushed the envelope on 
certain things about religion, certain things about spirituality, about life in general, but that also helped you to see a different way. So that was one of his biggest talents by far. I remember when I first discovered his work and I was looking at what you were doing, you, seemed to get, you guys all seemed to be doing some very cutting-edge stuff by going to these different worlds and being able to go into the Luna and progress and go through different dimensions. Mm-hmm. Where do you think the work was headed and what do you think that made some of his work and the work that you guys worked on together be really cutting edge? What, what would you say would be some of the defining qualities of the, the work that you guys are both engaged in? Well, I think with Stuart, a bit it was his bravado. I mean, he had that strength about him that he, you know, he, he, he had a bit of a, um, <laughs> a dangerous fighter in him where he would just get carried away. And that allows you to go deep, you know, for lack of a better word, that it gets you in trouble sometimes too. But, but I think that's what part of it was. And I think where the work goes, honestly, is, um, it goes deeper into that connection that can happen. You know, many times when Stuart would get tired of the fights that he did um, and he'd let go, he'd have these expansive moments where he would really, really kind of go into these high vibratory states. I think that's where the work goes. Um, the fighting, those are good skills to have. And, of course, Stuart had a lot of those skills. But I think the big thing is, and Stuart I was starting to go there more and more uh, towards the end of his life, was into those softer spaces you know, where it goes more into the heart connection, more into the Christ consciousness is what, you know, he felt and saw. Uh, at least that's what it seems like. Um, that's where it seems to go. So, and he used to, towards the end of his life, he was doing these healings where he would um, kind of facilitate purple light, purple healing. Have you seen other people being able to do that? Are you able to do that as well? And I was just wondering why he was able to uh, to facilitate that purple healing. Well, it was a connection he had. I mean, just like anything in spirituality, it's it's no different than playing an instrument. You know, if you keep practicing an instrument, eventually you're good enough. You may not be Beethoven, but you'll you'll be good enough that you can carry a tune. And he had connected with certain certain energies and certain dimensions long enough that he could do that. And again, it wasn't necessarily him. It was the channel that he brought in. Not channel's not the right word. He aligned to the energies to the point where that field came in, and that allowed those energy energies to help a person. And he also prayed for people. You know. That's one of the most powerful things you can do is prayer. So, yeah, I, I, what I do is slightly different because I'm a slightly different person, but it, it is similar. You're aligning people to a field to help the energy help them. You talked about how he had this incredible sense of humor and he would always be laughing. This person who has a sense of humor and carries that sense of humor, does that uh, kind of put you at a higher vibration or does it help to protect you? of some of the darkness that you might be subjected to if you're, say, for example, a more serious person. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because if you're too serious, you can't you can't laugh at yourself. And if you can't laugh at yourself, then you're in trouble. Uh, Stuart had this talent, especially when stuff was really, really challenging, whether it be for the whole group or you, to get you to kind of laugh. Uh, because he would make a fool, fool of himself. He'd say a hilarious joke. Sometimes he'd go into sarcasm, too, which would not always work. But the humor, is, it's its a weapon, honestly, in my view. Not a weapon so much as, like, you know, a dagger or anything like that. But it protects you um, sometimes when you go too low. Because if, if you can laugh about what's going on, if you can laugh about what you're going through and realize it's just a little bit silly, um, all of a sudden it shifts the energy. And it does open you up to a higher vibratory rate. And Stuart was great at that. I mean, I don't know how many times I can remember him coming up and just saying something that made me crack up. <laughs> At, at, a, at an appropriate time, <laughs> so, so whether it be you know because we were going too deep into something, or I was dealing with my own crap. Um, oh gosh, there's just so many stories, it, and it just changed everything right there. That's awesome, Mr. Jeff Casper. I want to thank you so much for being with us today, Mr. Casper. Worked with uh, Stuart for a very long time, actually. That's why I met you back in 2009 at yeah. the uh, Las Vegas gig. That was fun. And uh, <laughs> you know, had. 
Mr. Jeff and uh, Ms. Yona on our program several times. You can learn more about him by going to his website at transcodes.com. Thanks again so much for being with us today, Jeff. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is Dee Dee Wilde, Stuart Wilde's twin sister. Dee Dee, what was Stuart like growing up, and what can you say about him as a uh, brother? Uh, Stuart was amazing. I mean, first of all, you know, when when I came into the world, he let me out first, so he was a true dread- gentleman. Did you think that Stuart was going to become the person he was, where he no. was going to be this profound metaphysical teacher? He no, did, I, I didn't actually, except for the fact he always had an incredible, credible sense of uh, of, of finance and and um, and go. You know, I, I knew that my brother was going to do something because he had a wonderful ability to make money and to be successful, and he was also incredibly confident. In fact, we, we were like the spheres of two situations. You know, I was the opposite to him. I was very proud of him and always have been because he's always been so, you know, I mean, he was so successful from a very young age. It, it was always obvious to me that out of the two of us, Stuart was the one who was going to be incredibly success, successful, especially in what he was doing in the, in the metaphysical state situation and also in, in, in a financial situation. I have never been brilliant at finance and, and that sort of thing. And he had the confidence and, and the intelligence and education that I didn't really have. Oh. I miss my brother, and I, I always know that, um, you know, when he died, I cried so many tears. And yet I always knew that for my brother that I was the end of the pile rather than <laughs> the first because his love was not so much for me and the family. It was much more for for his situation and what he believed in and the people that followed him. Um, he was very loyal to, to his, the cause that he believed in. Yeah, and your brother is also, will always be known, I think, amongst humanity as one of its greatest uh, champions of uh, freedom, of passion, of love. Absolutely, of absolutely. And, and in, in that, we, we, we were very, very similar. Uh, how many lives he impacted. He, he healed and he helped and saved lives. When I mean saved, you know, a lot of people who were lost found Stuart. He was truly, truly amazing. You know, there's, there's, there's never enough wonderful things we could say about your brother. And Dee Dee, I can't uh, express how thankful we are that you were able to become a part of this and that we were able to talk with Well, I hope we get to um, see each other one day. We're with Chris Krepsik, who's the founder of thehoodedsage.com. He worked with Stuart for over 20 years. Chris, can you please explain a little bit about your relationship with Stuart and what kind of person he was and the impact he had on the world? Well, Stuart was a great guy. I mean, he was a light. Um, I started studying his work when I was 19. The first time I met him, I was like 24. Um, I always loved his style. And the first time I picked up his book... Um, the Quickening was the first book I picked up by him, and I knew that he knew what he was talking about because it described many of the things that I could already see. And so I immediately knew that I, I could just trust this guy because he knew what he was saying. And um, Stuart had a huge impact on all this New Age stuff and self-help stuff. There isn't anybody out there that wasn't influenced him, whether directly or indirectly, because he was kind of at the forefront way back in the 80s that got a lot of these alternative directions out there. Yeah, and how did he um, impact you as a, as a person? How did he influence your teachings? Well, we're from the same kind of lineage. Uh, we're both linked to 
um, the teachings are based off of the 33 energies of man. It was an ancient wisdom, um, like I mentioned before, about the, the hooded sages of old China. Okay, it's, but it's an energy too. It's, so it's, you, on one side you have uh, a discipline or a philosophy which can be translated into human words, but the other side of it is it's actually about an energy. It's not just the discipline, it's the energy of the discipline. And how it impacted me was that it was just very similar. It's kind of like we have an ancient connection before we even got here, and all this stuff was planned out long before, and we had these agreements together. And we were linked to the same lineage of teachers, I would say. I guess that's what you would call it. But... um, you wrote, a, you, uh, you wrote a really phenomenal tribute to Stuart and talked about him being a professional comedian, that he incorporated so much humor in yeah. his teachings. So can you describe any times when you were with him where he made, really made you laugh hard? And what was the funniest thing uh, he ever did that made you laugh the hardest? I don't know. <laughs> he did a lot? Well, it was like every day, man. <laughs> no, we hung out, and um, I, he was my best friend. You know, It was just – it was on a daily basis that we were just – he would just do things that he was just a good soul. He had a good sense of humor all the time. Got it. All right, Chris, thank you so much. To become free, it's so liberating. It's so glorious. It's part of how you reach the infinite self. You know, the whole point of the infinite self is it's infinite. The whole point of God is that God is unjudgmental and infinite. The whole point of this journey is that you realize that you're not a physical body, you're not a Jew, you're not a Catholic, you're not an African, you're not a Hindu. You're an eternal body, eternal spirit that's rented a body. It's basically, you've gone to Avis, Hertz, Rent-A-Car and said, give me one. You know, and they said, what kind do you want? You say, well, I want a fucked up one that has no legs. And they say, oh, we've got one here, have this one. You know, you say, yes, actually, I want to look like, you know, Cindy Crawford. They say, perfect, I'll have that one. I mean, that's the story here. We're trying to become free. But our societies are run by these complete assholes that don't want us to be free. Why? Because they need our money. They need the power trip over us. They need to be able to control us to feel big time and safe and important. But have you ever met a government official that was really important? I've never, I never have. You know, I never have, man. I promise you, I never have. They're all totally assholic to me. You know, I mean, some of them are quite sweet. But they're sweet like a sort of rainy afternoon is sweet, you know? You're watching the water run down the window thinking, when the fuck's rain going to stop, you know? We're not born to be free, and we're not born to have meaning, because our society is designed to make sure that you don't have any meaning. That you just tick-tock along, giving your money to them, so that they have meaning. That's it. Real meaning, you have to fight for it. Real meaning is something you have to discover inside yourself. Now, you may discover real meaning through marriage, love, romance, children, family. You may find real meaning in your spiritual path in life, or you may find real meaning helping people, but you have to discover it. Otherwise, life is comparatively boring, isn't it? And when you turn the television on, it's ridiculous. It's just basically a propaganda tool for TikTok, isn't it? You know? It tells you, conform. Buy these type of fish fingers and not those. You know, these tampons, not those. Buy this shit. And what do they have on television? They have the, whatever the government's telling you. Hello, everybody in Denmark, you sweet and lovely drones. Listen to tonight's news. 
This is what the government is saying today. These are the things that we want you to buy. These are the things and concepts we want you to accept. This is the bullshit. Don't think for yourself, please. We don't want any of that original thinking crap going down down here. You know, just buy this bullshit. Joining us now is Miss Tracy Dunblazer, spiritual empath and author. You can learn more about her by going to her website at beaslayer.com. Tracy, welcome to the program. Thank and you so much. You tell, my pleasure. What can you tell us about Stuart Wilde and what impact he had on you? Well, I think that Stuart Wilde, uh, I, I was born psychic, clairvoyant, clairaudient, clairsentient, all the, all the clairs. And I used to have a lot of dreams, and I'm, I'm a spiritualist at heart. And uh, Stuart Wilde was the first uh, author that, you know, I really resonated with because I because of his sense of humor, his his irreverence towards, in my mind, the, the New Age community and the idea of spiritualism. People have all kinds of a relationship towards spiritualism that's, that's uh, connected to fear. And to me, he was the first person that openly uh, refused that, refused it for himself. And, and, I, and that, is, that is my nature. And so it, for me, it really gave me permission to refuse it as well. Okay. And your books, you talked about, I mean, Stuart was very fascinated with finding the dark or exploring the darkness. Do you also explore the darkness as well? And if so, has Stuart assisted in being like what courageous in facing the dark? Uh, absolutely. I um, my my books are about I call they're the Demon Slayers Handbook uh, book series. And uh, since I was a child, I would have dreams of demons and, and enter into the demonic uh, dimensions and uh, connected to uh, you know past life energy of addiction, uh, a lot of different things that. Uh, you know, were, were on one level terrifying to me, and then on another level, I felt great power over those things. But the more I entered into and started to grow up in our culture and realized there was such a, a, a fear base um, in relationship to what we call the shadow or the darkness, um, it really made me want to pursue how how we as, as spiritual beings on the planet can really transcend and understand the darkness to me your negative ideas your thoughts your shadow is the thing that anchors your light in the density of the physical realm and so if you try to deny that on any level you have no power here or anywhere so so yes and that's and to me i remember uh, i used to listen to uh one of uh, Stuart wilde's um i think it was uh in the 33 infinite self access to the infinite self and uh he would talk he talked about a story specifically where he would uh uh call you know he called he called this 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 thing that he called his negative mind uh he would call it names <laughs> and it was such an irreverent approach um that i appreciated like i said it really gave me permission to express express those parts of me you know, to start to experience compassion for what we consider demons or uh, other entities of darkness. You know, to express compassion does not mean to express weakness. It means to uh, transcend their power over us on every level. You know, and that, that we don't have to diminish anyone's power in order to be powerful. So Stuart Wilde, to me, uh, 
was always the forerunner of that and that that uh, thinking in the in the in the New Age community because of his irreverent relationship to it. And what impact do you think he's had, and how do you think his work has impacted not only the uh, New Age community and metaphysical community, but uh, the world itself? Well, I think, uh, you know, I, w- I was uh, thinking about this, um, my, my theme of the week. Every week I have a theme, just things that, that tend to get my attention and, and make sense to me and, and things that I ponder on during during my week and one of them is about um, just being who we are. If we did nothing else but sit on, the, sit on the couch and watch TV with the remote, we would still be powerful and influential in ways that we can't ever possibly know because the more we accept and honor ourselves in, in everything that we are, energetically we, that creates a resonance that then magnifies that resonance to the planet and to other people on it. And when you connect to those other people, you create a a matrix or a network. You know, so just by, you know, for me, Stuart Wilde was, uh, you know, really uniquely himself, but again, in in, in an irreverent way. You know, he, he didn't, he deliberately did not want to do it like other people did it. You know, he didn't want to succumb to the illusion of, you know, people pleasing in any way and so he really set up this uh, way of being respectful uh, by honoring yourself and honoring other people uh, but not diminishing yourself because of other people so I think I think it's that I think it's that resonance that that permission he gave himself to be who he was definitely that was the impact it had on me as it gave me permission to be myself, to be funny, to, to look at spirituality as funny, to look at humanity as funny. Ms. Tracy Dumblazer, psychic empath, spiritual empath and author. You can learn more about her by going to her website at beaslayer.com. I want to thank you so, so much for being a part of this program and for your great story about Stuart. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Because that's really what you've got to do out there. You've got to test the system, whether it's the system of religions, the systems of morality, the systems of sexuality, the systems of God, the political system, the tax system, you know? The tax system, for fuck's sake, man. Let me help you practice the tax system. This is how you handle the tax system. <laughs> like that. Excuse me? Try this. Fuck the tax system, man. You know? People ask me for taxes. I say, fuck off. It's my money. They say, but you got to pay. I say, I'm giving you a fucking thing, so fuck off. What are you going to do about it? You know, piss off. You've got to fight for your freedom. You have to. Because this is a fascist world and it's getting worse, isn't it? You know? Joining us now is Mr. Paul Eno. He's the host and executive producer of the nationally syndicated Behind the Paranormal radio show. And I want to bring to your attention that Mr. Eno was the last show, that this was the last show that Stuart appeared on before he passed. So, Mr. Eno, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for being with us. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Nice to be with you. Got it. So, Stuart, last interview on your show, what did you think about Stuart and his work over the years, and what kind of reaction did your audience get from Stuart? Well, it was, um, I wasn't that familiar with him before, and, and I co-host the show with my son, Ben, and so we asked questions uh, you know, in tandem on the show. Uh, Stuart was a bit of a surprise, um, and I kind of had some mixed feelings. He uh, was very articulate. He uh, had a lot of ideas that, that really parallel 
the um, the ideas that we have developed. I've, I've been researching the paranormal for 45, or at least going on 46 years uh, since I was studying for the priesthood of all things. And I recognize much of what I've seen in the paranormal and what he said. Uh, that being the case, uh, I found that a lot of what he said was, was pretty wild. Pardon me. Well, don't pardon the pun. I love puns. <laughs> But he was—he um, would perhaps say the same things, in, in, and we, we might put them in, in a bit, uh, sort of a, of a different way or a different light. He recognized the idea of uh, parallel realities, which is something our listeners have been—we've been on the air for eight, going on nine years. And our listeners are used to us talking about that. I think that his um, approach might have been a little less bold, maybe, if I may say that, than ours generally is. Uh, I was in, in, intrigued by his um, melding of the multiverse experience with that of shamans, um, and particularly the use of ayahuasca, you know, the, the uh, a common um, drug that's used particularly by, in South America by shamans. Um, I was intrigued also by his um, use of angles, so to speak, and to say that, you know, in certain angles, this is where you find certain parallel worlds. Um, it was now some people may, may look at that and shake their heads. However, uh, we have noticed that in researching paranormal phenomena, particularly the quote-unquote ghost thing, that the um, the, the entity or or the, the door, however you want to understand it, is up by the ceiling or down by the floor, you know, at an angle to where we are in this particular uh, reality. If that, you know, that's how you want to put it. Uh, I found that intriguing. So in many ways, he really parallels our own views on some things, but perhaps in a, in a bit of a canted way. Of all the things that he had told you during your interview, what was probably the most shocking to you, or what was some of the ideas that you know maybe made you think twice about? Well, I think it was his, his visits to hell. Okay. Now, certainly uh, in the, the parallel world view that we take, which is, is pretty much descends from certain views of quantum mechanics and certain interpretations of the multiple world uh, interpretation of that particular fringe, uh, but nevertheless legitimate area of physics, there were um, ideas that, that, that there are hellish worlds, that, that all possibilities that can be conceived and all possibilities uh, do exist somewhere or somewhere in concrete reality in these parallel simultaneous worlds and that we live in versions of ourselves live in many of these and it's all really a kind of us you know all, our subconscious is made up of these you know that, that's one point of view on this that we happen to agree with um he uh stewart kind of took that and and uh said well you know he's actually been to some of these places you know as as shamans have told me they do and i believe that in certain you know, dreams and, and meditative states, and even in waking life, we can do that, and there are recorded, recorded uh, instances of that sort of thing. Uh, but he said he'd actually visited uh, a number of hellish hell worlds, and uh, Ben uh, asked, I said, well, wh wh why would you want to do that? <laughs> he said, well, that's a good question, but uh, in reality, it's, uh, you know, it's just, it, this is in order to learn, and he had seen certain people there, and we found that quite interesting. Uh, by the way, if, if I may, uh, if you want to listen to the podcast of our show with him, which was uh, the last show he ever did, uh, if you look at BehindTheParanormal.com, there's a, a page of free recorded shows, and it's under um, April 28, 2013, and it's our show number nope. 444. Sure. What we're going to do is, that, I mean, the, by the way, the number is very ironic and symbolic. You put 444 as a show, and we'll actually put a link to it on our site as well. 
I want to bring some of your attention that after he did your show, he was really enthusiastic about it. He said, oh, I can't wait. Can they get the Hell show together? He was really excited and very had a lot of enthusiasm talking about Hell. I don't know. I think he just thought it was very fascinating, but he definitely wanted us to get that interview out. No, I never knew that. No, he was. Yeah, he was very, very anxious. He couldn't wait to hear it. And one thing that um, I want to ask you about, Stuart, is you've interviewed a lot of people over the years. Does Stuart stand out in your mind as somebody who's uniquely different? And if so, why? I think I can say yes. And I can say that about a number of guests. But but Stuart stands out as one who was not only articulate, but answered uh, our questions, which are usually pretty tough questions. We're not easy on guests. We have respect, but we're not easy on guests. And he answered them uh, with confidence and uh, quickly, and, and he just came across as very, very sincere and very sure of what he was saying, and I respect that. Well, Mr. Paul Eno, thank you so much for being with us today. You can learn more about Mr. Eno and his great show by going to the website at BehindTheParanormal.com. Really great show about paranormal activity and exploring the, the metaphysical aspects. Mr. Eno, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Ryan. Joining us now is Richard Tyler. Richard and Stuart had worked together on a series of music compilations. They made beautiful music together, and Stuart had known Richard for a very long period of time. So, Richard, what can you tell us about Stuart Wilde? Uh, where do I start with Stuart? <laughs> he was uh, he was just a tremendous teacher. He was he was my hero. Um, before I started to work with Stuart, I started reading his books in the uh, mid '90s, and he was such an inspiration for me. I just was really was really into his writings, his disciplines. And then I later met him at one of his seminars, and we just, I guess we kind of hit it off, and he just asked me if we would like to, uh, you know, to uh, collaborate on a music project, because he had heard some of of my music in the past, and uh, I guess he just felt it was along the lines of what he was trying to put out uh, musically. So it was, I was, it was such a great honor. What did you notice? what, What do you think about him? What made him different than a lot of the other teachers that were out there? Wow, um, Stuart was just a completely different ball game. Uh, he talked about things that no one else would really touch, or maybe they just didn't have experience with with what he talked about as far as I got, as far as um, interdimensional reality. Um, uh, Do you think he was very far ahead of his time? Far ahead of his time, way ahead of his time. Uh, yeah, there, there, there was really, there's no one out there that I'm aware of other than maybe David Icke to some degree that really talked about the things that he talked about. Okay. And when you're talking about the, what are some of the things that he really talked about? Was he some of his fundamental teachings that um, made him kind of really ahead of his time? Well, he, he really, he had no fear. Um, he would, well, the, the multidimensional reality I'd have to say was probably one of his his big teachings that uh, were one of his main teachings that really set him apart from other teachers. But he was very brave. Uh, he wasn't afraid to talk about things that uh, would rattle people's cages. Um, he just really, he didn't care what people thought about him. He just, he, he talked about what he believed in and what he experienced. And, um, and yeah, that was just that really set him apart. I think from other. Teams. He used to talk about saying he would he used to go into a place called the Iluna and do some fighting. And uh, my understanding is that you were with him during this period of time. Can you please explain like what it was like to what is what does it mean to go into the Iluna and to do some fighting? Is it something where you guys were battling some forces that were negative 
that were having some kind of control over humanity and what you guys were doing is that what you were taking on is a certain form to go in there and to, to what push away those negative energies? Yeah, well, I think it started by just, you know, by through, through trance states going into these multidimensional realms. And then uh, we would just come across um, beings that didn't really have our, that weren't very kind, I guess you could put it. <laughs> All right, so so yeah, we just it was it was basically a matter of, of of being brave and holding your ground when experiencing these these beings and um yeah I mean there were there were there's endless endless realms so the beings that we would experience were many times in what could be considered the hell realms or or lower realms where we'd be confronted by these beings so. As far as fighting them, I guess it was just we would just blow love to them. Uh, Stuart would use his various techniques to discourage them. And um, how did what did you see? How did you see him, and how did he see you in these uh, various dimensions? And how were you able to go to these things together? Well, I mean, there were uh, well, basically, what Stuart would teach was through the thing, theta metronome that you would go into these lo- these lower brain speeds. And that's how we would uh, we would experience these beings. And I'd be with Stuart. I could see him. He could see me. We would see the same things together. So that that was really um, that was really cool. I mean, if, if you were just on your own and you're having these visions or these experiences, then you'd be like, okay, well, is this just in my mind? But when you're with somebody else and you're having conversations about the exact same thing afterwards, that's uh, it's pretty mind-blowing. That's pretty amazing. I mean, here's here, Richard, you know, you, you're one of those unique individuals where you, you not only studied with somebody who's, um, you know, a master at what he was doing, but you also traveled to various dimensions with this individual. And, um, I, I mean, that's, that's pretty amazing. What do you think in terms of um, – what do you think Stuart's historical significance is in terms of um, what kind of knowledge you brought to humanity on the metaphysical spiritual front? Wow, I wouldn't even know where to begin. I mean, um, multidimensional reality one. Um, I think he really instilled courage in people to just trust their their feelings, their instincts, to not be afraid. To um, to he definitely stretched the boundaries of consciousness, um, commercial consciousness for sure. I mean, he blew that away. We did you. Yeah, and also, and also to align, align to to goodness, align to align to your heart, and and uh, and align to nature and to people, and to just be a good person, to have honor. I think that was probably. I would have to say that was a, one of the main things of, of Stuart's teachings was to have honor. Well, Richard, uh, it was truly an honor to have you on and speak with you about Stuart. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Ryan. It's been a real honor. Now, when you look at the religions, I understand how they give people emotional comfort. But when you look at the philosophy of the religions, it boggles my mind why they work. You know? Completely boggles my mind. Because when you look at what they're actually teaching, it's sort of... Most of it. And the rest of it is rather sort of... And you're wondering, like, how does this work in a modern techno... You know, where you've got like five billion techno-weenies in a society. How do you sell them this stuff? I mean, why would anybody buy all this wandering around in the desert in 5000 BC shit? But they do. Why? Because the religion, it doesn't matter what the religions teach. 
they can teach anything. It doesn't matter how many totally insane rules they come up with. Okay, It doesn't matter how much they manipulate and control their members. All they have to do is grant people the illusion of the particle state. And that is what a lot of religions do. They grant their people the illusion of the particle state. Why? Because what they say is, they say, don't be lost in the hellfire of the hazy wave, cast into the oblivion of it all. Come over here and you can be separate and special. You can be chosen. God will single you out for special treatment. And by the way, we will give you immortality. Guarantee. All you've got to do is follow the rules and give us 10%. <laughs> and you say, is that all I've got to do? Just show up on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, whenever the holy day is, sit in a chair, sing a few hymns and hairs, and God will give me immortality. And they say, yes. You are special. You are chosen. You are a particle. Come on a Saturday and there will be a hundred others there. And you can all sit there and observe yourselves. You can observe the back of the bloke in the front of you. Watch him be a particle, and he can turn around and observe you to be a particle, and we can all observe each other being specially chosen and selected to be particles. And people buy it. And people buy it. And it doesn't matter if the philosophy is completely and absolutely ludicrous and doesn't mean a damn thing, as long as you're given the particle state. Joining us now is Don Dalcourt, one of Stuart's dearest friends. Don, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Ryan, and thank you for asking me to be here today. Welcome. Tom, what was your relationship with Stuart, and um, how would you describe him as a person? Stuart was, um, well, a teacher. I started listening to Stuart's tapes when, oh gosh, oh my goodness, probably in maybe the 70s, his tapes. And, um, and then I had the the pleasure, the beautiful pleasure of meeting him through the Redeemers Club and got to be friends with him. But, of course, he was always my teacher, my mentor, um, a beautiful uh, gift uh, that brought us so much in the way of knowledge and light and joy. And his sense of humor was, I don't know, there was nobody like Stuart's sense of humor. But he left us a legacy, and, you know, he was real. I think that's what I loved about him most is his realness. He was authentic. Uh, flaws and all. I mean, we all have things to work on, and Stuart was was just like all of us and was never ashamed to admit that he had things to work on, too. And I loved that about him. You're, he was so real. But do you feel he wasn't, like, holier than now, like a lot of people out there that say, you know, I'm the end-all, be-all person, that he was like... Oh, gosh, no. Not Stuart. <laughs> Never Stuart. Oh, no. And and he had, like I said, this wonderful sense of humor. He could laugh at himself, but he made us laugh at ourselves. Um, and he could, and he would tell us things. He wasn't afraid to be so honest with us when we might be acting a little earlier than now. But he wasn't afraid to, to um, you know, make us feel authentic and real and bring us down to earth. But he left us with so much. He left us with so much. And I think... I think a lot of that is just starting to sink in, Ryan, about um, the depth of what he shared with us and left in his books and his videos and his tapes. And, yeah, we're, you know, he, he was the teacher's teacher and, um, and how did he, he came into this world. And how do you, what, Go do you, ahead. What, do you, what do you think made his teachings differently? There are, there are a lot of people out there that claim to be teachers teachings. Uh, what made him different? What really made Stuart different than all the other people that were out there? I think, Ryan, because he was real. 
he didn't try he wasn't phony he didn't try and be this new age you know guru he was that wasn't him he tried you know he he was real and he made us look at life real and um walk the path you know be nothing one of you know one of the things he left us be nothing and sometimes say nothing you know and one of the greatest things or one of the greatest uh, messages i think in one of his books one of my favorite book books was silent power and he always used to say for the most part um just be yourself just you know be who you are and um, I love that about him. And that's exactly, he he didn't try. And he didn't even like all the attention, actually. Um, you know, maybe people thought he did. But, you know, he really kind of, he was really quite shy. And uh, he didn't want to be the center of attention. And he kind of would divert that, actually. When people would talk about him, he'd divert it back and rather hear about the other person. And, uh, yeah, he, um, and he also used to say, for the most part, keep yourself to yourself because it's a protection. He left us with a lot, Ryan. We're, you know, it was a blessing to, to know him. And, um, Don, that was really amazing. Don Dalcourt, thank you so much. Brian, it was a pleasure. Joining us now is Chad Achenbach. He's a sacred gardener. He's a gentleman that had many experiences with Mr. Stuart Wilde. Mr. Achenbach, welcome to the program. What can you tell us about Mr. Stuart Wilde? Ryan, in our pre-show, we talked about um, how, um, as a student of his, as you, you and I were, of his teachings, we've all become um, a branch of that same tree, right? Just somewhere out on another limb, we're just a, another seedling and a, and a part of, of uh, you know, the, the great awakening and the openings and, and the chasms that he opened and in our families, and our lives, and, and the way our teachings went, and, and wherever we were, students or whatever, once we landed into his teachings and wisdoms and surroundings and the things he encouraged us to uh, break and shatter, um, now our teachings and, and the teachers we find from here on out will always reflect that, you know, wow, really, um, you know, super dynamic, out of, uh, out of the norm, you know, always on the top of the standing on the top of the the stepladder kind of approach to to life right so what made him a unique teacher from your perspective i mean you're somebody uh, i want to let you know chad uh, introduced us to reverend sally perry to our program I'm very thankful for that and you know you've worked with a lot of like really powerful teachers what made stuart completely stand out um the you know his realism and, and i like the the fact that he swore like a sailor <laughs> you know, had snuff all over his pants, and and uh, and then was you know as sharp as a tack, and in front of a room and a stage, and you know wit and wisdom, and you know saw his blue eyes in Vegas, and was like whoa, and you know now it's it's uh, you know we we knew he had the stigmata. It was it was cool to be around, and and then you know um, yeah, that that's what we took from that all, all the all the gold and the blessings that he was to us in our lives to help us, you know, Did further. You, the, Mr. Chad Achenbach, the sacred gardener, great friend of the Adam Limited Institute. Thank you so much for being with us today. Sir. Hey. Thank you. The world is not designed for the people. It's designed to keep the institutions up. It's designed to keep the philosophies up. It's designed to support the governments. And you, as the ordinary working people, are always sent the bill. 
You, you get to pay for everything. If there's a mistake, you get to pay for it. You know, if there's some kind of disaster, you pay for it. And as you look at that, you can understand that the only way that you can pull out of those feelings and out of this conditioning that basically is absolutely designed to hold you down is by you having a force of will that is stronger than the force of will that is trying to control you. And you have to create inside of you an energy pattern a bit like, well, imagine if you were like swimming along in a swimming pool. And you're, you're down at the bottom of the swimming pool and you're holding your breath and like swamp thing like grabs you by the ankle, you know? How much would you want to swim to the surface? You know, how much effort would you put into getting up and getting out of that and getting a breath of air? And for some of us, that's how much effort we have to put into becoming financially independent, mastering money. Because our societies do not teach us power. They teach us that we are weak, that we have guilt, that we're useless, that we're supposed to support everything else, we're supposed to send money to everything else, that none of this is really for us, and that if we do too well, somehow that pulls us away from being godly or righteous or good. And of course, that's a bunch of hooey, because the life force or the God force is absolutely abundant. It'll give you anything that you believe in and more. You only have to look at nature. You can look at a cherry tree or an apricot tree, and it has more apricots on there than you can ever eat. It has more cherries on it than you can eat. You know, and when you look at it, it has that splendid abundance naturally. You know, if a man dis designed an apricot tree, it would have like two itty-bitty apricots at the top of the tree, and they'd be out of reach, and they'd be a little stale, and you'd have to have permission to go climb it, and a certificate for when you got it, and then a third of the apricot would then belong to somebody else, and eventually you'd wind up with just the pit and a little bit of apricot, you know? And that's how the system is designed. When you look at it... When you look at the physical plane, we are here as these transcendent beings, as these infinite beings inside a body, and you have the ability through your thought forms and through your feelings to absolutely redirect and change your life. I believe that you're not your body, that you're not your mind, that you're not your sexuality, that you're an infinite being inside a body, and that you took on the limitations of the physical plane in order for you to be able to transcend them. Joining us now is Ms. Carrie O'Connor, a globally respected psychic medium, and she actually did work with Stuart Wilde for a very long period of time. Stuart uh, considered her a very trusted individual. He went to counsel for her several times. He always talked very highly of Carrie to me, and um, he always said how thankful he was to have known her. So it is truly an honor to have Carrie with us right now. You can learn more about Carrie by going to her website at carrieoconnor.com. Carrie, what can you tell us about Stuart Wilde? Stuart Wilde was one of the most amazing men that ever existed. I've met a lot of people through my journey in this lifetime, and I have to tell you, Ryan, he was the most um, influential. He was—he walked the talk. He was uh, a great leader, teacher. He absolutely, his energy itself unlocked people from the, the matrix grid. Literally, it looked like it came, he came, he lived from the heart. Out of his heart, looks like these keys came out of the heart, going into people's energy fields and unlocking them. And this is just in a simple conversation or a glance. He was an amazing, amazing being, and he still is. I still feel and see his energy around, and he always comes in with this great big laughter. You could hear his laugh before you see him. So he continues to work over there and, and help open the doors and create space and pathways for us to continue to evolve here. Well, what do you think that he said that he's um, he, now he's out of a physical body and he's uh, all spirit? What is he up to at this point? Have you seen or heard from him or gotten any kind of reports from him at all? 
this thing I see he's doing, he's just kind of picking up where he came from before, but he sees it from a totally different perspective. So he's beyond any kind of mind, any kind of um, ego. It all goes back to the heart. It goes back to that sacred heart area beyond the wounded heart, beyond the ego and mind. And so he's living in that space. And whenever somebody's living in that space, they create a pathway and doorway for other people to be able to go into that space. So he's continuously working on evolving himself, and that also helps us to evolve. And he does it with laughter, too. I mean, I tell you, when I first, before I got the phone call that he died, Stuart and I were working on um, this sacred heart attunement, and he really was doing some of these, um, a technique that I was shown by the beings, and he was so excited because he really felt that the energy and he thought this was the timing, it was a perfect timing for this to be brought into the earth. And when I saw him at Ryan, he looked like this, almost like a Buddha pose that was all gold. He was standing in this place, this dimension that was, I call it where the high beings are because it just looks like these giant gods and around it. It's very high dimensional energy. And there he just stood, and he looked so, so peaceful. And then 15 minutes later, I got a call that he um, crossed this physical world. So he continues to, again, evolve, continues to be the teacher. He continues to open up those pathways, help us escape beyond what he referred to as the matrix so we could get into um, the higher dimensional energies, really. And you know, as somebody who um, has the sensitivity and skill set that you have and somebody who's very close to Stuart, I'm sure a lot of people out there are kind of wondering and asking, how can they communicate with Stuart, and is Stuart um, reaching out to people on the Earth plane at this point in time? Is there anything that people can actually do to communicate with them? Or- Absolutely. I always tell people to go into the heart. Into the heart, the sacred heart area is literally donut-shaped, a torus-shaped right in the center of the heart. Picture yourself there, and then imagine your heart opening up. You're coming from that sacred spot area. That's It's a, a literal pathway created in the energy center of the heart that it gives us like a shortcut or openings to where the veil is thinner. Stuart identified different parts of the body and energy body that where we have access to more celestial energy. He talked about 45 degree right. So if somebody were to go in their heart space, visualize a doorway open on 45 degree right, if you put your arm up in the air and put it in that 45 degree right angle or 90 degree right or right underneath you, and then just imagine a pathway opening up and through your heart connection, you can see, feel, or sense and visualize his energy. It's not like hooking into his energy. It's I call it more of like a, imagine a high five where we're touching each other, but we're not hooking into um, the energy. He creates the pathway. So you go down to the heart, you open up the heart, you come from the base of no agenda, it's just a sacred exchange. And what it looks like energetically is really an exchange of of tubes going back and forth that has all these codes in it. And so that would be the connection way to connect to Stuart. Or just even radiating love, your sense of love, getting in touch with your divine essence, radiating that out and knowing that it's going to um, his energy. And again, to me, it looks like a high five. It's not an um, um, intertwining, like hooky energy. Because sometimes people, especially when you've been a teacher that influenced many people and there's a lot of grief going on, they kind of want to hook into the energy. This is not about hooking in. This is about a respectful heart-to-heart connection. I call it angel-to-angel or heart-to-heart connection. So the key is to go into the heart space. Right. Do you think that uh, you've experienced anything about him actually sending love to people who uh, who are still remaining behind on the earth? Yeah, have you ever seen or felt his presence, him like acknowledging that there's a lot of grief, that he's no longer uh, physically with us, and that he's actively doing some things? Or did... That there's a lot of grief. Right? I didn't really hear that you know, there's uh, a lot of grief. Do you, do you feel that, um, that Stuart is well aware that his... Um, 
transformation into a yes. spiritual, uh, you know, yes. had a lot of grief and that is has she yes. done some things that have um, sent love to and peace to people who are out there who've missed? Yes, and his biggest message because I've gotten a lot of texts and emails from people all across the world um, looking to connect with him. And his biggest message is, don't follow me. It's not about him. It's about, it is about him, but it's not about him. His, his, he wants us to go into our own heart space. And to, as we open that up and we clear out and we get out of mind or emotion, grief is the biggest thing that could block people from feeling that connection. So the more we get into that heart space, the more we clear out what I call the static. And that's what he wants us to do. He's like, don't follow me. You want a connection with me? You follow the Tao, the teachings, the teachings that he's, he's done, the books. And as when you're doing that, you are making a connection to him. But he's so much less of the um, of the man or the personality. I mean, he still has aspects of that because it's part of who he was. It's a part of his energy signature. But when you tap into him, and this is what confuses a lot of people, because when people start really getting out of the physical body and they start going away from the the personality, and, the, and you're starting to see his multidimensional self, which is really a high frequency energy. People can miss the. Um, they don't feel they made a connection with him because they're not tuned into that frequency. But the more we turn, get the static out of, out of our own energy field, we can make a connection to him, and that's his biggest message. Follow the teachings, follow the the the, the website. All this he's given us tons of information that we can follow through. And his thing is really, I was just reading one of his last posts, the last post of before he crossed over, and it was about the Messiah light. And that Messiah light, he says, is in each and every single one of us. So his message is to follow your own Messiah light in, in, inside of you. And that's the biggest clear of the heart energy and it allows you to make those connections. Right. It's really not about him and ego. He understands that people are grieving for the personality. He was wonderful, generous, funny, funny, funny. And he's like, that's that part of me will live on because, again, energy never gets destroyed. He wants us to take the teachings and run with them. It's uh, really amazing. And um, in your experience, can we ask you just a two-part question? One, how did you discover his works? And also, what do you feel uh, made Stuart different than a lot of other people out there that, that are quote-unquote gurus of metaphysics and spirituality? Like, mm -hmm. how would you compare him to, like, say, a, a Buddha? Stuart was not about guru, and that's what I love, because the, we're getting out of the age of the guru, Ryan, where... Just let's say that the guru um, position, that hierarchical position, was appropriate and it's been around for thousands of years. And it had its time. But Stuart was all about, don't, I, I'm not a guru. I'm not a guru. You know, I put my pants on one leg at a time. He recognized that he had his own human times and that that's what I loved about him is that he really didn't want to be put in that guru position. Many, many people wanted to put him in the guru position. And in, in, in a lot of ways, he was seen in that because he was such a powerful powerful teacher but he was so um a system buster he was if somebody said go left he'd go right because he'd have to explore it you know he really encourages personal freedom it's all about freedom remembering your own freedom because many people are trapped right and, we, and to get out of this matrix and get through it, we've got to find our own personal freedom. It's not about gurus. You are your own God is his message. Each and every single one of us has that God light, that Messiah light. And the more we connect with it and start embodying and embracing it, that's what gives us the keys to rotate and get out of that matrix. And you start living a total different world. Part of his whole teachings is to really teach us to be in the physical body and have physical experiences, but not have it be where we're enslaved by it. We're here to have wonderful physical experiences, but when it owns us, then we get it all backwards. So he absolutely is the biggest teacher of 
to be free. Are you free in your own job? Are you free in your relationships? Are you free money-wise? He really is, it was a component of feeling free, being free, and that's what I absolutely loved about him. Anyone that put him too much in the guru, he didn't like that position. He'd never sit on any kind of high throne and have people all around him. That was not him at all. Carrie, that was a really uh, beautiful insight on Mr. Stuart Wilde, and uh, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Ryan. It's always my pleasure. Here to provide some insight on Mr. Wilde's astrological trajectory in this life incarnation is Miss Constance Stellis. Miss Stellis is a phenomenal astrologer, and you can learn more about her by going to her website at ConstanceStellis.com. Constance, what did you learn about Mr. Stuart Wilde? Well, uh, um, he is, uh, I say is, although he has passed over, which I, I know happened rather suddenly, but this is the chart of someone who is meant and was meant to communicate um, his ideas. And this will uh, remain whether he's on this side of the veil or on the other side, because his ideas were all important to him, and also sharing them with people was all important. Um, sometimes it happens that people are very tuned in to a certain kind of development in their own life, and then they help other people, but they can't necessarily communicate it in a, a wide, uh, widespread way. So Stuart was a, a Libra, and he had uh, one, two, three, four, five planets in Libra, which is a huge concentration. Now, Libra is an interesting sign because of all the signs of the zodiac, it is the only sign where the symbol is an inanimate object. It's the scales. And it doesn't mean that Libras are, are not human, but there's a certain kind of divine seeking for balance that all Librans um, project through their life. And in addition to having a great concentration in this sign of, let's say, divine balance, his son was, um, he was born shortly after the autumn equinox and um, zero, 00 Libra, which is the degrees of his sun sign, is called a world point. So there was a great deal of his own life that was in tune with the time period that he was born and then the time period when he uh, passed over. Um, so I think that, you know, his mission was completed. I mean, he, he probably didn't take too good care of himself because he is fundamentally or was fundamentally an abstract thinker and communicator. So, you know, whether he had allergies or, or you know, whatever he did with his body, he wasn't thinking too much about it. And uh, um, so, but I think that it was really that his spirit said, okay, that's it. I'm out of here now. Um, he uh, will be remembered by his words, and I think that if things are still being published, that they will have uh, future lifetimes. I don't mean, uh, I mean that they'll be popular even in, in contemporary time. Um, he did have his moon in Virgo, which is the only earth sign in the whole chart. Everything else is air with a little bit of water and then some fire. And this um, gave him compassion 
uh, and detailed-oriented mind so that not only did he have the ideas, but he could be very um, precise about what it is that he wanted to to say. And interestingly, um, you know, signs are yin or yang. We In English, we say masculine or feminine, but that can give a in kind of a hazier impression. And uh, Stuart's chart is overwhelmingly yang, masculine, assertive except for that Virgo moon and its position in his chart means that his nature was basically receptive yin feminine and that was a great source of compassion and sensitivity uh, which um, I think he shared a lot with his uh, with his students and and with, with people close to him and it's nothing to do with sexual orientation it's just the the energy dynamic you're either outgoing assertive yang or inward um, yielding yin and his chart was strongly yang except for that moon so the soul is feminine or was feminine and that kind of nurturing that he provided for people uh, was was a very kind of compassionate uh, yielding vibration um, and then I think also he didn't pay too much attention to what his body needed, <laughs> but that's neither here nor there. You know, have any, is there any way you can kind of gauge or get a sense of where he might, uh, what he might do since he's crossed over for this time? Do you have any sense of what his next physical embodiment could potentially be? Um, I think that um, hmm, it's an interesting question. Um, Still, he's a communicator, but he may be more involved with um, leading groups rather than getting his ideas out. But, you know, it's tricky with uh, projecting what the next lifetime will bring because um, time on the other side is quite different. I haven't been recently, but uh, so I'm told. <laughs> uh, and and for us to think, oh well, you know, is he coming back in 20 years? That's that's we can't think that way because the 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 demands of how the soul incarnates is quite different from um, you know a five-year plan or a 10-year plan. Um, but I would say that. Uh, the lessons learned this lifetime had everything to do with communicating his message. And if I would look at the chart, well, I am looking at the chart, I would say that um, putting those into action and leading um, groups, uh, incorporating that knowledge would be next time around. It's Constance Dallas. That was an incredible insight analysis of his sister Wilde. You can learn more about Constance by going to her website at ConstanceDallas.com. My pleasure. Be well. Joining us now for additional insight on Mr. Stuart Wilde is globally respected psychic medium, Ms. Lisa Kaza. You can learn more about Lisa by going to her website at soul-psychics.net. Lisa, what can you tell us about Mr. Wilde? Well, I have to say I'm going to come clean first before I go anywhere. Um, a lot of people will know me that, you know, throughout my 21 years as a, as a professional psychic, I tend to not follow others' teachings um, or other people in the metaphysical field for that matter. So the name Stuart Wilde, I, I've heard the name. And it was very familiar to me, but I never really took, I don't, I don't want to sound ignorant, 
but I didn't really ever take uh, an interest in knowing who he was or what he he did in the in the metaphysical field. And the thing is, today I'm holding back tears because I feel like it's a huge loss for me because this is a man that I wish that I could sit in a room and just talk to about anything, about life, about his philosophies, about his predictions. He was a phenomenal man. And I really regret not having known him. So that's the first thing I'm going to say. Is Stuart, he was a very loving, genuine, and humble man. And what really struck me was that him and I were so similar, where he didn't push his beliefs on other people. He actually waited for them to come to him. He had the same perspective that if he was needed, they'll find him. When the student is ready, the teacher will come. And I had the very same belief where I never did advertise myself, and neither did Stuart. And so I just found that so awesome of him that he was so genuine and and so humble. And I also have to say that I'm really struck by his sense of humor. And the thing is, he, he got the lesson and that sometimes humor can be the most powerful tools to use in order to instill very important lessons or messages within other people because they're the, they'd be the most memorable. It's not out of an angry message or, you know, being yelled at. It's with laughter. Those are the most memorable of moments. And so that's what he used. And I would have to say that Stuart is, in fact, the most influential, renowned, and respected person of this age. And like I I said earlier, I think not just for me and me and my tears earlier, but such a huge loss, a huge, huge loss. And he is going to be remembered for many, many years to come, just like Nostradamus in, in his past life. It's, it's going to be one of the same for, for Stuart Wilde. He uh, will not ever be forgotten. Uh, that, that's so really great to hear. And you know what? Um, I write to a lot of the New Age authors that are very famous, like Deepak Chopra, and I send them emails all the time. and just want to say, listen, you're not number one. Stuart was number one. They don't write back to me, but I remind them all the time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I have to agree. I agree with I agree with that reminder so strongly. How does any? Because is it possible for anyone to kind of communicate with him at this point? I mean, he was such an influential teacher. He touched the lives of so many people. No, he's open right now. I think that that's what perhaps I think that's why I broke in, down into tears earlier because I was most likely tapping into him. Because I just, I would completely, I do apologize for that, but I completely oh, okay. unexpected. But no, he is definitely open and he will continue to be open for whoever wishes to seek him. The way that his life, his life and past lives go, it's almost like a continuum type of thing. It's an actual storyline or timeline is the best way for me to describe it. And he picks up literally where he leaves off. I think we can say very safely that we if there's a baby that is born that comes out of the womb holding a Guinness 
and saying the word bro is a safe bet that that will be Stuart Wilde incarnate. So all you people out there, be on the lookout for a newly born baby carrying a six-pack of Guinness saying bro and I love you. I love you. That's how we say it. Yes, I I'd have to have to agree. He he'll definitely pick up right where we left off. Thank you so much, Lisa. That was a beautiful, beautiful insight. Uh, learn more about Lisa by going to her website at soul-psychics.net. Thank you so much, Lisa. Oh, thank you for having me, Ryan. Okay, everyone, that concludes today's edition of the Outer Limits of Inner Truth Radio Show. Special thanks to our beloved brother in spirit, Mr. Stuart Wilde, who's probably at Heaven's Ball right now, drinking a lot of Guinness and raining peace and love upon the planet. Special thanks to our phenomenal guest that we had, and special thanks, as always, to our virtues, Miss Carrie O'Connor, Miss Lisa Kaza, and Miss Constance Stellas. To learn more about the Outer Limits of Inner Truth, Inner Truth Radio Show, please go to our website at outerlimitsradio.com. Till the next time we meet, my friends, wishing upon you an abundance of peace, love, and beers. Take good care, and thank you so much for listening.